A couple of weeks ago, you heard our episode with Ritesh Agarwal, the founder and group CEO of Oyo Rooms. If you remember, he talked to me about the atmosphere inside the organization right after COVID hit. To put it simply, it was wartime inside Oyo. So we had to do innovate our business because our customers and our hotel owners' choices and interests dramatically changed. Uh, capital uh, availability was in short supply if you're a traveler or hotel industry company. So we had to uh, uh, protect as much of our cash as possible. We had to make tough decisions to, uh, uh, you know, uh, say goodbyes to some of our team members, a lot of whom, um, you know, I would have or our senior leaders would have personally interviewed, recruited. Uh, we had fought shoulder to shoulder, uh, you know, in, in, in the journey over the few years. So it was a tough time. It was a tough time. In those two or three years, I think our company truly changed. The way we perceive uh, perseverance, you know, changed completely, right? That was the first hour of my conversation with Ritesh, who explained in detail what it took to come back from that near-death experience. I'd recommend you check out that episode and you'll find the link to it in the show notes. Anyway, we took a short break after the first hour. We stepped out, had a coffee, chatted a bit which helped immensely because once we stepped back inside the studio, the conversation turned inwards. We got to reflecting, retrospecting. How has Ritesh grown? What has he learned as a founder, as a CEO, as a leader? And something he said really surprised me. It was when I asked him if he considered himself a wartime CEO or a peacetime one. It's a tough one. I, I try to, I try to uh, uh, move myself between both times. I would say I'm um, I'm typically a peacetime CEO. I didn't see that coming. To be honest with you, I kind of assumed that because Oyo had been in war mode through all its years of difficulties, Ritesh was a wartime CEO for sure. When you listen to this episode, you'll know that Ritesh knows what kind of CEO he is because he's an extremely deliberate and reflective person. He's thought about every challenge and every opportunity that's come his way and what he's learned from it. Reflection is non-negotiable for a CEO, he says. And in this episode, part two of our conversation with Ritesh, he explains this. Why you must take the time to reflect? When should you do it? And of course, the process at OYO to collectively reflect as an organization. I think this is the perfect episode for us to wind down the year here at First Principles. Ritesh looks back on his decade as a young founder and CEO, how he's changed, how his own mission has evolved. We talk about recognizing which opportunities to grab and which ones to pass up, and how to deal with regret when it inevitably comes. Let's begin. Ritesh, you said something very interesting um, during the break when the mics were off, uh, something about reflection and experience. Could you repeat that for us? Yeah, look, I think something that I j truly believe in is that a lot of time people say that I have experiences over so many years, so many businesses and so on. But my view is that if you don't really reflect on it and apply it well, those experiences are worth nothing. So the simple way to put it is, uh, experiences are cheap in themselves, but reflection of those experiences is, are very valuable. So my view is that, uh, you know, if you have experiences, then you have great uh, raw material, but you will have to convert it into full form by uh, reflecting on it and thinking out how you would apply it. When and how did you become a reflective person? Given the young age at which you started, I can, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you were not reflective. Few people are reflective at 8, 8, 18, 19, 20, etc. Right? You're 30 now. But at some point, there must have been a gradual or perhaps a sudden transition where you found, you know, value, perhaps even comfort in being reflective. Sometimes, I mean, if I may say so for myself, I don't want to say this for you. We hesitate to reflect 
because either we don't have the time to reflect or we are afraid of what that reflection kind of like you know i mean what does it say about me we are uncomfortable with reflection but you've made that transition how did you make that transition where you came to see reflection as more you know or experience as a raw material for reflection as you put it yeah look i think first off as entrepreneurs we all try to be a better version of ourselves right so inherently this started from the very early days of um, you know becoming an entrepreneur but i will tell you when the switch uh, uh, the conscious you know, a shift yeah, to the, conscious there's reflection there's a flip right i think that flip was in again i think this management committees at oyo uh, are a big part of it so almost 7 years back in one of our 7 or 8 years back in one of our management committees there was this discussion of saying that hey there is this water cooler conversation right that that, that generally people were hearing so i said today we are going to have an elephant in the room conversation this is going to be called reflection session uh these conversations are going to be mandatorily cathartic which means that you are not allowed to say good things you are required to reflect over the last few months and we have to talk about three or four things that are not going well or three or four things that you don't like about what's happening it's mandatorily cathartic and it's a big risk right because the entire energy of the room can be sucked out uh in a conversation like this i listened to everyone and it was sort of semi expected or uh it was understood that it has to be bad things about me more than just the company in some way and i would encourage the first couple of colleagues who had started back in the day to start because if they go hard ability for others become much easier they set the playing field in some way and at the end i would acknowledge every individual's feedback saying this is what x person said here is my view on it and i really appreciate this feedback thank you and i would recount the strengths of the company at the end so what would have started as an energy sucking exercise actually becomes the most energy became the most energetic part of the session first time after it did become so we've tried to keep the tradition we don't do it in every management committee but once every few months we try to do a reflection session as we call it and that sort of while started as one forum now there are many mini forums of it uh, that we've created so i think uh, that's when it became a conscious choice that reflection can actually be not just a, a valuable exercise personally it can be valuable for us as a group and now al- almost like if i have some experiences i've had in the last two weeks and i've not sat down and reflected on it i feel like i'm missing out like i have something missing uh, as a part of me i know in the a uh, millennial or gen z ecosystem they call it journaling nowadays and and that's probably a way of uh reflection also uh, i'm trying to uh, uh what is your method my method is uh i uh, writing again i know that's semi journaling but i consider it more to do list or a uh, list of things that i feel are going well or not going well um and how do you do this pen and paper smartphone so the smartphone uh, i am on teams and teams allows this option that you can write a message to yourself so that is filled with like hundreds of lines of notes my my job in some ways to sort of get massive amount of knowledge and views as punch and then try and reflect it back to myself or whoever i feel it would help so so i think reflection is a very important thing and it's a tough one to do you mentioned this and i fully agree with this that it can be very scary because you may feel like you will learn something about yourself that you that will make you feel very weak that will make you feel very uh, or that will show a part of you which is not the stronger part of you but in my view uh, that's exactly what a reflection is here to do which is to identify those weaknesses and make you or your job your uh, yourself as a professional more stronger so i think uh, that's quite valuable how do you as a founder and ceo assess the risks from not doing certain things because it's easy to assess the risk when you're doing something right like you know if this goes wrong if we spend too much if we hire too many but sometimes it's like the opportunities that exist and you are saying no we will not do this right so how do you what's your mental model when you are evaluating things to not do look i think 
uh, I break it into two parts typically. On one side are the bits that we do not do as a principle. I think that makes life very easy because you can like uh, justify to yourself and people around you that principles are designed to not be broken. So it's a very easy decision uh, to take in some way. The second one are judgments. And in judgments, you can be wrong. You, it is, uh, or, judge, or the situation can evolve and hence the judgment needs to be reconsidered uh, versus what it was earlier. So I think as and where the principles are not the reason of not doing something, outside of it, I typically like to, one, ask enough questions, again, going back to the perspective of curiosity, and not just to the people, uh, almost finding people who will have an opposite opinion. Uh, that sort of, uh, to begin with, gives you a perspective of, are you missing something entirely different? If you listen to all the counter opinions, and at the end of it, you feel like, well, I knew all of it, or with reflection, with all these additional perspectives, my judgment still says, we shouldn't pursue this, or our leadership judgment thinks we shouldn't pursue it. I have zero regret um, uh, of not pursuing it. But on the other hand, um, if there are perspectives I hear which I would have not thought about myself and I learn saying, hey, why did I not think of it in this manner? It suddenly becomes relevant. Um, in those places, I would, of course, or our leadership would, of course, consider changing it and saying that we should try it differently again. I don't subscribe to the opinion that one should try everything and see what sticks because resources are scarce, right? No company, no individual has infinite time or resources. So you have to make the most out of it. So prioritization is the heart of uh, decision making that we all do as leaders. So in my view, uh, listening to every opinion about why uh, what you are uh, thinking about does not make sense and why it makes sense also being intellectually honest and saying that, well, these are three things that I had not thought about and hence does it make sense to try it versus, well, knowing this also, I think we shouldn't pursue it. For example, launching a new geography. We've taken a view at OYO that we will not launch a new geography because we have a lot to do in the geographies that we are already in. So every time somebody comes with an idea of a new geography, I listen to why it makes sense. I ask the same question saying that, does it not mean that we will get distracted? Does it not mean that it'll mean more effort? Then people say, well, the engineering effort is very little. So I would say, but isn't the effort of adding a currency lead to six microservices getting impacted, payments, reservations, owner fulfillment, and so on. And at the end of it, uh, you know, if I feel like uh, uh, I have been able to convince uh, the person on the opposite side, it's better or, or, or it, it means that the previous decision made sense. But someday it will, will come maybe because of situation or maybe because something that I had not uh, learned, somebody else will convince me uh, and hence will pursue uh, a different goal. So that's, um, I think the core anchor to this is, does OYO become a more successful company when these are uh, company decisions and do I become a better individual uh, if it's a personal decision? That's sort of the uh, outcome that I would chase with this framework. Got it. While you were saying, um, you know, uh, the last few sentences, you use a very powerful word, regret, somewhere in the middle, right? If I were to just kind of like, you know, ask you, what are your views generally on regret? What are they? Look, I think, First of the feeling with the word regret is a very bad one to begin with. It's not a great feeling to have regret. I think um, you can reflect, you can have uh, learnings, but if it is regret, it's a strong word, which means that it evokes also in stro strong because emotion. of a strong sentiment That's right. that you genuinely strongly believe that either that should have happened or that should not have happened when, when you look back. So, um, so that's sort of the first thing. Uh, I, I genuinely believe in this perspective of, and again, I think I read it in uh, probably one of the recent newsletters, which was the risk-regret framework. Uh, I truly believe in it. And this this I um, actually read for the first time a few years back, but I have always had this in, inherently in myself, which is I ask myself uh, that if I were to take this plunge, would I, sorry, reverse, in the inverse of it, uh, if I were not to take this plunge, would I regret it? 
if I would um, regret it, then I would consider taking this plunge because it's a very strong statement, right? Which means that it truly makes complete sense to pursue it, but you're letting some barrier stop you from pursuing it. On the other hand, if it's just a good opportunity to have, but you're still not fully convinced, you'd say that, well, I, if I did not pursue this opportunity, I may feel bad, but, you but I wouldn't regret it. it. So, In general, are you a kind of person who regrets missed opportunities? Very little. Very little, unless I believe that I, um, I did not do my job well. So, so you're some, a, also a glass half full kind of person. I mean, I guess most entrepreneurs yeah, and founders relative. are. You it's have relative. to also, right? But you know, I take my job very seriously. Mm. I take uh, 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 that you know, I as a professional have to uh, do the be the bring the best version to myself at work. I try to do that. So I of course have no regrets. But the toughest feeling I have is when I don't get an opportunity uh, to uh, solve something, and uh, uh, you know, we fail. I'm, I'm that kind of person where, you know, uh, I will be the first person to say that if there is a big challenge, I will jump in and fight shoulder to shoulder. And after that we fail, I feel like at least I put my hard work. Cool. I mean, interesting that you said fight. Earlier on in the conversation also, you used the word, um, I think, fight shoulder to shoulder, etc. Are you a wartime CEO or a peacetime CEO? <laughs> I think that's a tough one. I, I try to... I try to uh, uh, move myself between both times. I would say I'm um, I'm typically a peacetime CEO who can. Uh, wow, I did not see that coming. I mean, I would assume that from the time you started Oyo, through all the ups and downs, you have constantly been in war mode in some sense or the other, right? Yes. In the boom years, in the bust years, now again coming up, like, you know, IPO leading up. And yet you see yourself as a peacetime CEO. Why? I think that's, the. Uh, I, I, I would say two parts to it. The first one is the reason I say that is because uh, you mentioned, we've discussed about this perspective of going to a near-death experience and coming back from it, right? So I think uh, those are great reflective times to ask yourself what you do well, what you don't do the best, and so on. So I think my ability to be able to sort of uh, pursue constructive upsides, constructive upsides of um, uh, building brands, spending time with customers, merchants, uh, and giving it the time and resource and the effort it needs I think is the best um, when I truly feel like I have to do right by the stakeholders and I'm not chasing a certain short-term outcome, right? And I think COVID in some way has made me feel like I'm the best when I have that sense of independence of saying that this opportunity is exciting, but I'm not going to take it until I have fixed these three things, which pre-COVID in some way, I sort of had this thing of saying that we are growing so quickly. There's that new challenge I have to pursue. So these three challenges I have to solve while on air, like there's this cliche, right? That I have to change the airplane engine while flying. Now I have no pressure like that. I'm very happy to land the plane, look at every single part of it, improve it, and then fly again. And I've seen that I'm at my best at that. Not to say I think I'm a bad wartime CEO. I think I can do it when needed. But I feel like I do a better job uh, in, in it looks when like it is more thoughtful, more structured in, in some form. So from what you just said, it looks like one of the unlocks or the transitions that happened for you during COVID is you became much more comfortable with saying no and living with that decision. And I think that's personally speaking as well. And as for many founders as well, um, and, and many who appeared on the show as well, the early years of entrepreneurship are about saying yes to everything because the world is full of opportunities and why would you not want to like take on everything? And then you become, you know, you realize that you, like you earlier said, you know, you don't have infinite resources. You got to figure out what to do. And I think that like, so for you, what was that transition to be able to say no and to accept and be peace, 
be at peace with that no because saying no and then that regret or that feeling of saying that did i just I say wish, no i wish i could have done it yes that could have been another 10% market opportunity or valuation or fundraising or you know team growth or whatever that is but when you say no and you seem to be at peace with saying no to the extent that you consider yourself even a peace time ceo which by the way i don't agree with but i mean how does that transition feel to be able to comfortably say no and bring the plane down Look I think it's uh, goes back to reflection right that is I look back and I said saw that when did I make the best decisions I I I learned about myself and our leadership that we made the best decisions when we were in situations where we could have spent enough time thinking about those decisions the challenges that came with the opportunities that came with without having that pressure of saying that let's do it because there is a certain growth target we have set there is a certain um uh, you know metric that we have uh, behind ourselves and then i also asked myself it's a little bit personal also to some extent which is saying that what do you personally want to uh, create in the long term and i think if you're truly mission oriented uh, to make a positive difference and going back to the purpose that i mentioned better um, and you'll see there is no number in this right it is all better so say it's not i want to have x hotels y rooms uh, x countries i think it's an evolution so i think it takes time to be able to um, uh, be at peace with saying that it's a long term uh, aspiration and there is no number that uh, we've put to it i mean there is of course a business financial targets that you put to your business this required but individually you're comfortable saying that to the extent i'm doing good work and i'm doing a becoming a better version as a company and as individual every year i feel good about it i think it takes time to uh, fully digest it and be okay with it but once that again the switch flips your ability to make decisions becomes um far better because more often than not a lot of times you've made wrong decisions you knew it in your heart of hearts that there was something wrong coming i'm sure right like even you as an entrepreneur sometimes would grudgingly say yes to something but in your heart you think that well this can go wrong but you're hoping it is not going it is it does not go wrong my sense is that has changed now uh, until i believe nothing will go wrong i wouldn't pursue it at least that's how i think uh, today who or what has brought about this i think evolution or transition in you to becoming a karma more focused more deliberate founder ceo one thing that you've said couple of times in the past is your management committee and your senior leadership team is there anyone else or anything else a book of philosophy a person a mentor that has made this happen look my sense is uh, of course my leadership team has played a great role in it because i i genuinely believe that the quality of talent uh, that we have along with and the quality of talent of course i feel very good about but most companies feel good about their talent but i would add one more thing the quality of ownership they demonstrate uh, in terms of impact is pretty disproportionate that has allowed me to sort of become a better version and a more calmer version i think there are two or three other groups i would say my family has played a big role uh, and i would consider both my wife who was my girlfriend earlier uh, my mom papa who i lost early this year but he played a big role sorry to hear that uh, i think everybody around me in some way has played a role uh, in this especially because pre covid again i spent very little time with family covid was like most professionals a time where most of the people spend more time with families partly not out of choice out of uh, uh, you know required place to use the word regret sorry appropriate place to use the word regret now that like you know when you look back and you know time with family consistently comes across for most founders as something yeah, they'll I, never get back i still wouldn't use the word regret but i uh, i i wish i had of course spent more time with family but i think i have no regret uh, 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 because you know 6 7 years back one of my colleagues um, lost his mom in couple of months 7 years back i think it was very tough for all of us because we knew her she was so good to all of us we like you know we as leaders know each other individually but our family is also very deeply connected so everybody's husbands wives parents they all know each other 
सो यूज टू रियली लाइक हा एंड वी लॉस्ट हर इन अ मैटर ऑफ मंथ्स बिकॉज यू नो शी वॉज डायग्नोज विद कैंसर लास्ट स्टेज एंड वॉज अ वेरी रिफ्लेक्टिव टाइम फॉर एवरी वन इंडिविजुअल इंक्लूडिंग माई सेल्फ सो आई प्रोमिस टू माई सेल्फ दैट एटलीस्ट समाइम एवरी वीक आई विल फाइंड टू मेक श्योर दैट आई स्पेंड टाइम विद माई फैमिली एंड आई सेट दैट I really hope that this will never come to me because you know because of my age I felt that there is enough time but I felt that regardless I will spend enough time so I think uh, that has made me feel slightly better that at least with parents I've spent more time I don't think I did that enough with Geet but with Geet I have a long life so I'm okay with it but I but I do wish I spent even more time I think there is no time is enough family is a big reason third is people around me I think I truly in every uh, situation try to ask myself who is the best person in finance who is the best person in tech who is the best person in sales and i try to go meet these people and i have tried to do this back from the day when i started the company the easiest way was cold emails earlier very little people responded uh, now slightly more people do uh, but uh, i think uh agenda less making an initiative to reach out to enough people to learn from them has played a big role also um interesting that you should use agenda less again because now it is probably the third time that you use agenda less because when we were earlier discussing what do you spend your time on in a week i think your third bullet was agenda less conversations with colleagues now i love agenda less conversations the the conflict in agenda less conversations is like what are they meant to achieve yes as a founder you know that in some senses many agenda less conversations lead to destinations which you couldn't think of earlier correct right correct but when you're bringing in a colleague into a discussion like do you have a structure or a method when you're meeting people to bring some semblance of because yes. otherwise it Yes. you know there is a fine line that divides an agendaless purposeful conversation from an agendaless you know purposeless conversation i think that's exactly what i was going to say uh an agendaless conversation doesn't mean that it is not a successful conversation so it should achieve something for sure or uh, i like the word purposeful also so there are three or four things that are very crucial right i think uh, or i would say three or four key segments of the discussion which is very crucial the first is preparation is a very critical part of regardless of uh, agenda or no agenda discussion um i spend a lot of time preparing for any time i spend on and i encourage all my colleagues and other professionals also to do so as well so let's play it let's say i am meeting one of uh, the business leaders of a leading telecom company so everything that a hotel company can achieve with a telecom company can be achieved by somebody who's a mid level leader in the hotel company and a mid level leader in the telecom company especially hmm. at the scale we operate in the scale telecom companies operate but i would still use that opportunity to go and of course initially give a business update about our company and also learn with the counterparty about their judgment about how they have made business decisions over the last few years what scale of business they have how do they operate and so on my hope is through that conversation i would learn about how some business decisions being made in a very different industry can be applied to my industry second this is the first segment second segment becomes potential partnership naturally when you're two business leaders from different industries you discuss what partnerships can uh, you can pursue the low hanging fruits exist wifi integrations uh, being able to have television and entertainment with the brand maybe it will become more advanced to say that our hotels are in great locations can we have little telecom towers at the top of our hotels but it quickly becomes much broader where you learn about well does a company have a finance business too is there a payment solution that we can uh, do more do they have a training ecosystem which can create value for us and the third and this is in my view the most important part which i try to keep most of the time for 30 40 50% 50%, life stories which is saying let's say if i was talking to the airtels ceo if i was speaking to gopal i would ask him this question of saying 
Do you remember the monsoon dhamaka when uh, the share prices plunged 80%? Tough time. What what was it like being at Airtel that time? And, and, and what made you confident that you will come out on the other hand? In the same way, talking about relative peacetime, there was a period where you were the absolute leader by profits, not, may not be by subscriber count. Did that bring a sense of complacency to say that, well, life's good. Do we challenge ourselves enough? And by the way, I consider him one of the one of top quality professionals. I had him come speak to our team's leadership team during COVID um, uh, as well. So my sense is these three, in my view, are the most crucial outcomes in a conversation. But the reason it's agendaless is it's not the uh, meeting has not been arranged with a insight of saying that, well, what was your target last month and what will it be next month? It is slightly more broader than that. So I would, you can call it agendaless. The other word for it could be strategic, uh, depending on uh, uh, which word is more uh, impactful. Thanks, uh, Ritesh. I mean, another version I've heard of this is um, in the context of, let's say, working from a physical office. Like it's like the Zoom meeting versus an in-person meeting. The Zoom meeting is a transactional meeting where both of us have time on each other's calendars and we don't like to accept a meeting where there is no clear agenda or purpose. So it becomes, okay, let's get to it. How do we achieve this? And then it's done. Whereas when we are in office, and one of the reasons I think many founders want people back in office is you can have these, I think, agenda-less conversations, which are, I think, impossible in, a, in, in a video call or in a video call. I believe that in relationships, there are only two things that are happening. You're investing in relationships or you're drawing from relationships. My view is when you're on a video call, which is transactional, you're drawing from the relationship. You can draw only as much as you've invested. It's like telephone charge, right? So you have to charge it and then you can draw the energy. My sense is hmm. these conversations in some way are also great energizers for the relationship because the person who's working, uh, who's in the meeting with you is a colleague or a business leader uh, who's a partner. You're truly investing in the relationship by sharing your views, le learning their views. So the next time you have to have um, a short term uh, agenda outcome discussion, it's much easier to pursue it because they know that you're coming from a good place, how you think, what are your judgments and so on. But if you just have that conversation without having this, uh, you know, the uh, other person doesn't really know where you're coming from in, in a lot of ways. I mean, that's really well put. And we use, like, you know, at least I use a version of this to explain culture as well. Uh, when COVID hit us and most organizations, I think, you know, I think culture is also built up by investing in it through personal relationships, through meeting, being next to people in office. And then I think that, that one and a half years of being apart and seeing each other over Zoom draws down from that cultural um, treasure chest of the organization. And I think all of us organizations at some point have to either replenish that chest or pay the cost for that chest, which comes from like, you know, higher attrition, less bonding between employees. I think a freeing of culture, etc. I say this purely from, you know, the point well, of view I, of the I, Ken I fully agree well. with this. I fully agree with this, that uh, a sense of community um, is very crucial for um, uh, long-term culture of a company. Uh, and I think uh, COVID helped us a lot in some way of being able to uh, have more flexibility, but it did come with this downside. It has and a cost. Hopefully there will be a balance that, yeah. that we'll achieve over time. You've been through ups and downs. In the, in the worst of your down days, what motivates you? Or in general, what motivates you? I think uh, a combination of two things that uh, motivates me, right? On one side, uh, the sense of opportunity, the sense of the future of saying that, you know, um, I could be part of a company. You know, um, I grew up in Andhra Odisha border. Now when you drive around, so the closest uh, city from our place, Vishakapatnam, Vijayanagaram, that belt, right? Now you can see Oyo's there. So when I drive to home, I go to Vizag, typically drive or take a train, typically take a train from there to ride. I like train journeys. 
But if I drive sometimes, I can see OYOs on the way, right? So, and just pointing to it and saying that I was a part of being, uh, you know, building this. I think, um, you know, doing that more and making the difference in more geographies and more forms, I think uh, that and many others. So that opportunity inspires me. But there's another thing also. I feel a sense of responsibility also inspires me. I feel like this was not meant to be. I was meant to be uh, working um, uh, uh, as a software engineer in a, uh, you know, uh, IT a large outsourcing mm. uh, or IT services company. That is what probably fate was. For whatever reason, uh, maybe uh, uh, it's I have been lucky or whatever, I have got an opportunity to be from the same town. And, you know, like if you speak to my school friends, nobody would say that this kid would get the opportunity that he has gotten, right? So uh, for whatever reason, I have gotten this opportunity. Maybe it was because of the uh, India is in a place where tech companies uh, were about to grow or something. Uh, uh, hard work many people put, right? So I think as a combination, I feel like now that I've gotten this opportunity, if I don't make the most out of it, I would almost be unfair to the thousands of people who have supported me uh, in, in, in this journey. So I think a combination of opportunity and responsibility inspires me. Hmm. Continuing down the track of reflections, when you started OYO, you were young, you were hyper-focused. Your product was, I think, hyper-focused. Like you knew with clarity that this is the segment, this is the product, right? As you've grown, as you've raised funding, as you've expanded, your product has become more diversified. The OU of today is not a single, like, you know, so you're not just operating, uh, you know, hotels. affordable hotels. Right? You have holiday homes, you have various other businesses as well, right? And, I mean, how has this been for you? Because that clarity and sharpness that came, you know, I mean, you use the word mission-driven thing, right? You started this with a very clear idea that we will disrupt the world with this product. And that kind of got, you know, maybe diffuse is the wrong word, but diversified and diversified and diversified. And now you're starting to approach a business which is very different from what it is, right? How does this, I think, you know, how do you come to terms with the fact that the organization that you're running today versus the vision that you had for what you wanted it to be? Look, there are two ways to look at it. On once, one way to look at it, which is a more, uh, which is one way to explain it, is saying that, look, the, the purpose is always to get small hotels to be successful and we are sort of pursuing it. But in another way, you're absolutely right. That is, it's not the exact same kind of hotels that we started with. Um, the exact same um, model that we started with. Geographies are very different from what we started with. Uh, we have a fairly large business in Europe with 80,000 holiday homes, which, you know, is a, uh, you know, while technologically is the same business because you're doing dynamic pricing, revenue management, growth. Uh, so competency-wise, it is similar. But uh, when you meet the homeowners there, uh, even though their backgrounds is middle income for their country, they're very different from the hotel owner I met just now uh, when I was staying at the OYO hotel, right? So I think it's a, uh, it's, a, it's a fair question. How I have adopted to it is I have sort of um, told myself uh, two or three things. The first one is saying that Learning is one thing that learning and solving complex problems is what I have seen keeps me going. Like that is the most exciting time of the day when somebody says this is something 20 people have been trying, not working. Can you help fix it? I'm very excited about it. It's like my most highlight of the day. If I can solve it, I'm happy. If I'm not able to solve it, I'm happy. But I feel like I'm able to intellectually spend the time and effort to uh, uh, make a difference. Uh, so that's one. That's one upside of it. The second thing is impact grows. The one thing that I've always asked myself that what is the one thing that I believe is my success individually? I feel impact that the number of people's life that we can positively impact customers, property owners and so on. So I think a broader business allows us an opportunity to do that. I think the third and something that I constantly ask myself is saying that, is this too much? Uh, and uh, whenever 
आई आस्क माई सेल्फ दैट वी आर कॉन्स्टेंटली आस्किंग आर सेल्फ्स शुड वी डी प्रियोरिटाइज सम थिंग्स एंड दैट वी ट्राई टू डू लाइक फॉर एग्जाम्पल ड्यूरिंग कोविड वी डी प्रियोरिटाइज फ्रॉम अ बंच ऑफ कंट्रीज एंड सेट विल ओनली फोकस ऑन इंडिया साउथ ईस्ट एशिया यूरोप एंड यू एस रैदर दैन यू नो चाइना मिडल ईस्ट मिडल ईस्ट वी स्टिल हैव सम बिजनेस बट वी आर नॉट प्रियोरिटाइजिंग ग्रोथ अलॉट दे हाउ टफ वॉज दैट हाउ टफ वॉज इट because often you are walking back the decisions because the thing with founders is that when you made those decisions you would have full conviction and when you are undoing those decisions also you tend to have full conviction so so my question is in two parts how tough was it for you to undo you know decisions that you've made and second how do you communicate to your colleagues that you know because this comes across as confusing to sometimes yes. colleagues because it's like how could you have strongly believed in something when we did it and how can you strongly believe on something when we are undoing it what do you even believe in and how do we realize what you believe in yeah. so in our case partly it was helped by covid in some way because in a lot of places we didn't have a choice because there were limited resources but coming back to i think uh humility and over communication is the best way to do it you have to be able to stand up and say that i think i got it wrong um you know you get bunch of business decisions right you get some of them wrong here is what my um, thesis was then we made the choice and here are two things that did not work and i guess it was uh, you know a mistake uh, and here are the ways we'll learn from it and uh, use it to our advantage in the future so i think it's tough to say that uh, especially when you have uh 1000 plus team members who are looking at you and uh they think that you can make no mistake and you have to be able to say that look we are all humans you make mistakes my job is to back you in the same way sometimes i have made mistakes we learn from it and and get better uh but i think on the other hand one learning from these is uh now as a company the cost of mistakes can be very high because we are a large company we have uh lots of team members business partners and so on and the reason i said we are being more comprehensive about decision making and deliberate about decision making is that we are thoughtful in saying that uh we don't want to make a mistake because we didn't invest enough effort before making a decision if you put in the effort still mistakes can happen uh right like uh tata motors probably one of the most rocking stocks today but they also had a mistake in uh, you know one of their uh, vehicle lines at some point of time so mistakes will happen but make if you do this with every form of thoughtful decision making that you have put in you have uh, and and deliberately i think it's uh, it's it's more uh, manageable after that how do you think about optionality the ability to create multiple because like i said this goes back to my earlier question about you know when you started you put all your eggs in that one basket and today you're diversified because you know that your all your eggs should not be in the same basket etc but do you have any mental models around how you think about diversification and optionality at oyo look i think uh, i'll go back to my perspective of saying that while their things are different in my mind i still see of it as uh you know getting market share of hotel and holiday homes and customers on the other side but you're right in saying that the segments are different uh both geographically as well as within india we have like an economy segment and mid market segment which is different from where we started at i think uh the mental model i think of it is in two cuts the first is the competencies should always be the same uh which means that uh acquiring merchants being able to make sure that they are upgraded to a certain format dynamic pricing for being able to get them more yields on their underlying program and customer service in case there are any challenges in order to resolve it so to the extent the technology and product on one side and the processes on the other side are consistent it allows you to keep get becoming a better platform um uh, regardless and on the other hand it of course allows you to be able to sort of balance out uh, risks to the extent they exist at some point of time covid was a great time to learn that india used to open europe used to shut down europe used to open india used to shut down i think this sort of hedge 
kept us going. It was not a deliberate choice, to be honest, but it some way helped us to be able to see through COVID. And even now, it sort of hedges our seasonality within a year. India's seasonality is a complete counter opposite of what it is in the Western part of the world. It, uh, earlier, we were talking about changing your mind. How how easy or tough do you find it to change your mind? I think. Um, let me answer it in a slightly different way. Uh, I try to keep myself, and again, I don't think anybody can be 100% intellectually honest, but I try hard to be as intellectually honest as possible. Um, and I think partly my colleagues don't let me not be intellectually honest, and partly I try it deliberately to ask myself that, did I make a mistake? There are a set of questions that you ask yourself, right? That is, did I make a mistake? Are the things that could have been done better? Uh, are there things that we missed that we could have thought of better and so on. So I think uh, that's sort of what I, uh, to the extent I logically believe that, um, uh, uh, you know, it did not make sense. It's very easy to change my mind. But to the extent I'm not able to logically get there, it's hard. So I think depends on um, uh, uh, how objectively uh, I, I can see it. Uh, a recurring thread in the entire conversation from your side has been, I think, your people, your colleagues, your team, etc. So my question is related to that. Like, what have you changed your mind as an entrepreneur about when it comes to managing people or coaching people or growing people? What did you believe? What are things that you believed in earlier, but now you've changed your mind about? Look, I think... Uh given I've been working with a lot of our colleagues for a very long time, and again, I'm saying this as a company which is not that old. I mean, 10 years is old, but not like it's, it's still, we're still a young company. And majority of our colleagues have been around for seven, eight years. A lot of people are new as well, and they're doing quite well. I think my belief has been that fairness is in short supply. So the amount of uh, focus a leader should spend on fairness um, and fairness could be uh, uh, time you invest, support you provide in terms of resources, um, comp, uh, being able to give newer opportunities, uh, any of these things. I have found that fairness has been one thing that um, is one of the most demanded facts. Uh, and that's unfortunately not Consistent fairness, I would say, consistently fairness for a very long time is not so easily available uh, among colleagues. So as and when fairness exists, the ability to uh, pursue uh, uh, business outcomes, challenges becomes much easier. That's my one big learning that the amount of time CEOs spend on fairness uh, and whether it is being achieved is lesser. They often think that the HR leader will pursue it. But deliberate fairness effort is, is a lot of work. Uh, I want to dig deeper into that because does this not conflict with, let's say, the Pareto principle? If you've got a team of 100 people and let's be hypothetical about it, right? You cannot be fair to all 100, right? There'll be some who are high performers, some who are extremely high performers, some who are average performers, some who are stable, some perhaps who are not so what does fairness mean? That's a great question. If, you, if you're fair to everyone, you're definitely unfair to the high performers. Yes. Right? yes. So I think I want to be clear in saying that fairness does not mean equal. Hmm. Fairness means that when other people get to know something, they believe it is well thought through. Um, I think that's sort of uh, how I define fairness in my head. I think... Good news is the Pareto, the uh, good thing about that is everybody understands there's a Pareto. It's not, uh, uh, mm. now there are some people who still disagree with that, but that will be a minority. If you think, um, uh, uh, you know, fairness truly in my mind means that what one should deserve without asking for it, whether it is challenge, opportunity, support, anything, they should be able to get it without having to uh, demand for it. Uh, that's in my mind what uh, fairness is. Um, and and it's tough to make that happen because uh, you have to almost um, spend enough time with uh, your team members and your colleagues to learn what fairness means to each one. 
be able to share what fairness means to you and then where we, do you find the time to do this because in the hurly burly of business where there are projects to be launched products going live targets to be met all of that where is the time i mean and i'm asking this genuinely yes. like you know to invest in getting to know people what they truly think and feel especially at your scale and for a ceo i think uh, this is a great segue to what i mentioned earlier about the top 3 things and the third being agenda less mm. conversations a part of it uh, will be uh, the third section which is open conversations about here's how i think here's how you think what inspires you what do you want to be 10 years later um what does your family uh, feel about what you're doing are they proud of the work you do i think a lot of these conversations in my view are probably the most relevant investment a business leader can put in for um, making sure that the projects the targets because look i am very clear in my understanding that i am not the best sales person finance person hr person right i have all of those colleagues with me my job is to make sure that one they can work better together and second make sure that each one of them believes that they are empowered and there is a framework behind which they can pursue goals to the extent i can have these purposeful albeit may not have an agenda conversation uh, and get them uh, to the to the best version uh, in terms of the impact they can create i feel like that's the best investment of my time switching to some personal questions what does personal time look like for you i think personal time uh, you know i have believed that anyway because oh, of what the young generation calls me time <laughs> let's use the same lingo well um well that me time is even more uh, concentrated but i would say uh, uh, personal time i think a few things first is i tr- i try to make sure that it's quality time rather than quantity because as entrepreneurs for good or for bad the time is in short supply outside of work we are just so much in love with what we do that there's less time outside so uh, uh, i try to spend quality time um uh, i think i try to spend quality time with geet um i have um uh, uh, ad- adopted an indie uh, and she is a star at home so how old is she and what's her name she's uh, two and a half now yeah we adopted her in the middle of covid uh, her name is pepper uh, 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 you know uh, uh, wait all- i mean hello from another indie parent <laughs> oh you're an indie parent too yeah, yeah, yeah. gabru uh, almost 5 years old oh, you know and ours is she's um, she has a dark black coat so she uh, nowadays looks like a rottweiler <laughs> um uh, being is she a rottweiler mixed does she have the black uh, yeah, because the same ours is the same really <laughs> Oh wow I'll 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 show yeah, you some pictures, like pictures but so I I try to spend time with her um there's of course Lisa who's the other dog we have uh, I tried to do fitness so few, couple of months back um you know uh, I sort of got into the fitness uh, regime so I had not uh, worked out all my life I used to of course uh, do sports and athletics in school but not like proper fitness effort but uh, last two or three months i've been you doing hiit because you also had the metabolism advantage of youth yes which is slowly starting is slowly to fade away. uh i was introduced by a friend to jc at fitter fitter is a startup which is yes. in the world of fitness and he's been spending a lot of time personally uh, to sort of uh, say that if i can turn around somebody as uh, inefficient as you then i could do it probably with a lot more so i uh, so there's a, a specific regimen of hiit which i try to sort of uh, apply um i love documentaries i am a big fan of watching documentaries what kind of documentaries all of them i'll i'll tell you i'll give you examples of my favorite ones so that'll give you context yeah. so uh entrepreneurship is uh, one of the favorite ones is the men who built america hmm. uh, it's a documentary on history channel if you haven't watched it it talks about how us was a civil war driven nation and uh, entrepreneurs like andrew carnegie jp morgan they transformed the country um at my heart i am still somebody who roots for the underdogs like most people uh, so selma which is uh, a documentary on martin luther king uh, is one of my favorites um uh, i used to be um uh, you know in school uh, i i used to try and be extempore sometimes so martin luther king 
anyway used to be a uh, you know somebody who people uh, his his speech at selma was one of the most special ones so i think all kinds but i think i would say um historical documentaries which are uh, for a moment of time it could be war it could be uh, transformational characters like uh, martin luther king or entrepreneurs uh, i think uh, in any of those uh, sort of is is quite inspiring to me i'm uh, i would say uh, anything which has very exciting history in it is 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 very interesting to me so that's personal me time that's personal me time there's a lot of things as you can imagine do you read books as well i uh, try to yes yes what I kind do. of books do you read again i think um, and if you have any recommendations favorites as well yeah i think i already uh, uh, called out one of them which is no rules rules uh, of course i must call out 0 uh, to 1 from peter thiel i think uh, uh, it is special because he launched the book the same year i became a fellow so um, uh, the first time when i went to see him he gave me a copy uh of um you know uh, with a note on it and it said for your journey from 0 to 100000 rooms and then crossed it to make it a million uh, uh signifying his ability to think big uh, always i think um i think uh, uh there is a book that i read long back i have never given a recommendation of it but it was fun i used to live in gaziabad in indrapuram and work used to be in gurgaon because wow that was some commute so you take the yellow line it starts from veshali and it goes to huda city center that's the entire route right so it's a long metro uh, train so great time to read books so one of uh, the months i read i can't remember the exact name it was one of sidin's books uh, sidin vadukut he had a very it was it was really funny so i think it's a broad range but um, i think and now more recently i've been reading health books also but i like the most is uh, books like 0 to 1 and uh, you know no rules rules things that talk about company building uh, the hard things about hard things I think books like those are my favorites is there anything that you've really gotten into or geeked out over the last 6 or 12 months anything new one is fitness i just mm. talked i i also have my whoop for a few months i see that uh it's catching up now more people are uh, uh, getting these sorry what what is that it's so whoop is uh, a tracking device hmm. uh, uh, but it's pop- it's become more popular so i got it a couple of months back 3 months back before the cricket world cup started oh okay this is but the one the that cup, apparently the cricketers and all were wearing and people were saying it's not even available absolutely. in india etc so i think um, uh before that uh, you know i was trying to explain people why this is more accurate than, than the apple watch. Uh, usually the apple watches and then the world cup why came by why is that humorous sorry why is it why is it more accurate than actually it's a tough question <laughs> it's a tough question but um uh, you know i just feel like um uh, more often than not partly it is also the application of the watch a lot of time people sort of remove their watch and sleep uh, makes it very hard to figure out your resting heart rate because if you're not resting with the watch how do you even know uh but I, i i actually have to learn more about why it is more accurate but it is more accurate because if you see your uh if you if you're at a hospital and you track your uh i think the ecg is still all right on an apple watch but if you look at your uh, various derived matrix from that mm-hmm. for, through the day i've seen sometimes those numbers could be uh, different but anyway uh, i've tried to so, so that's one fitness is one i would say the second one is or the second one more look i think there's so much happened in this year uh, that i have found very little time to uh, sure. uh, pursue much Something beyond it much more important is coming yoga trainer so hmm. she's been trying to get me to do yoga and i've been telling her that this doesn't work for me because uh, on one side is the intensity training and the other side is uh, yoga uh, but 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 i try how are you preparing yourself are you preparing yourself to be a parent actually you know to be honest i get this question saying have you done uh, parental training i have done none of it so um, and uh, you know we are also trying to sort of see that if we could do most of the work ourselves once the child arrives so um, i think it's um, it's going to be an exciting one because you learn on the job as i've done uh, mostly in my life so far uh but otherwise I, i've actually got a lot of great recommendations of startups uh which help through the uh, journey of parenting so i guess i will learn 
अबाउट न्यू कंपनीज ऑल्सो बट फ्रेंकली आई एम एक्साइटेड एंड नर्वस नर्वस बिकॉज आई एम आई डोंट थिंक आई एम फुली प्रिपेयर ऑन दैट नोट थैंक यू सो मच बेस्ट विशेज फॉर आई थिंक द नर्वस एंड आई थिंक यू नो एक्साइटिंग मोर एक्साइटिंग टाइम्स अहेड एंड थैंक यू सो मच फॉर योर टाइम एंड कैंडर थैंक यू रोन आई रियली एंजॉय इट आई विश समे Uh, I get to ask all the same questions to you. <laughs> I hope so someday. Thanks. I hope we at the can can kind of get to that level one day. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to First Principles, the weekly leadership podcast from the Ken's Newsroom. That's right. From December, we're dropping unreleased and new episodes every Thursday. Meanwhile, and in parallel, the First Principles newsletter is also weekly now. I hope you're reading it. We're hitting new records every week for community participation with subscribers sending in book recommendations, personal habits, favorite songs and of course my favorite silent sunday photos. So if you're a fan of mental models, books, leadership, decision making, entrepreneurship, self-reflection, you can rely on us twice each week, Thursdays with the First Principles podcast and Sundays with the First Principles newsletter. You can find links to sign up or to submit recommendations in the show notes. Finally, if you like our work, please tell us. Rate or review First Principles wherever you get your podcast from. It's honestly the best judge of a podcast quality and the most reliable way for someone new to discover us, the same way you once did. This episode was hosted by me, Rohan Dharma Kumar, and produced by Anushka Mukherjee. The audio editing is by Rajiv C N, our resident audio engineer. See you next Thursday. And oh yeah, a happy new year. <laughs>